0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. The Word of God together just quickly tonight. And uh, I'm going to follow up this morning, really, where I spoke on flow. And you might go, well, you know, where's that in the Bible? Well, it's actually quite a lot of it. I was thinking earlier while I was standing there how so many people think the Bible is about behaviours and that's all it speaks of. Well, it certainly does speak about them. No doubt about it at all. It tells us how to live and how to live in a way that pleases God. But never make the mistake of thinking that's all that God tells you to do. Uh, There's so much more about how to live life internally. Uh, Your life is always going to be about the inner life, not about the outer one. And so we want to go to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 and 2. We believe that this is God speaking to Metro Church. If you're from another church, God bless you. Take it uh, for your life. I'm sure he's speaking it to you. Isaiah 54, verse 1 and 2, though, we feel is particularly spoken to us here at this church for 2019. I said last week that I'd gone back and I thought it was October. Well, I actually went and checked. It was uh, halfway through August last year that God began to speak to me about this. And so uh, for me, I've been living with this passage every day since mid-August. Uh, so I understand you might go, well, I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm hearing what's happening, but it hasn't kind of dropped or sunk yet. Well, just keep on going. You, you, I've had a lot more time at it. Isaiah 54 and verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for many more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And the three verbs in there, or three of the verbs in there, that particularly we feel are God saying to us is enlarge. Last Sunday morning, you can get the podcast, you can get the YouTube channel and check all that out. I was at two events yesterday, both parties, celebrating Luke and Nikki's. Hey, welcome, Nikki's mum too, by the way. How nice to have you here. And and Luke's mum and dad. Uh, But I was at their party and some of them, I I didn't know them. They came up to me and said, hey, thank you so much for the podcast. I can't get to church much anymore. I'm listening to them uh, every time. Uh, that, um, you know, as I'm going to work. Then I went to a 60th birthday party after that. And somebody came up to me again and said, hey, I'm listening to that. So however you're getting it, uh, you can go back and listen to them again. They've kept for quite a while. But I spoke last Sunday morning on Enlarge, on drawing a larger circle around your life. I've thought so much about that. It never came out of a preach. It wasn't actually in my notes. The thought of drawing a larger circle, it was something that I got prompted into while I was preaching. And I've thought about it so much since. I want to draw a circle so large that it would take God to fill that circle. I'm not talking about wild, crazy, you know, who could come up with the wackiest idea and hope that God will do it. I'm talking about a Spirit-led, about a Holy Spirit-informed, prompting to go, let me just believe what God can do in a greater way through my life than ever I might have imagined. So it's enlarged and then it's stretch, and then it's strengthened. Uh, this morning, as I said, I spoke on flow and on seeing flow happen in your life. Now, sometimes we read some passages of scripture or we come to church and we hear preaching uh, about people's needs. I got challenged many, many years ago that, if you were coming to our church and you were wealthy and healthy and your family was great, I wondered how much of what I preached might speak to you. And you go, why would you think that? Well, because I, I don't want to simply be someone that helps people get their needs met because I believe that your life and mine needs to be about a lot larger than just having my problems solved and having a good life and you know an easy life and getting blessed. I don't believe that's what God called you for. I don't think he called you a king and a priest so you could sit in a palace. Kings are called to, to rule over realms. Kings are called to shift and to adjust, whole groups of people to lead and to bring change. And I believe that's what believers are called to do. Uh, when it says we are called to be priests under God, That means not only do we stand before God, it means we stand before people because that's what Hebrews says priests do. Priests stand between God and others. And there are others that need you to be a priest in your life. There are people where you live and at your workplace and at your school or at your university when you get there this year. There are people around about you that need you to be a priest to them. I don't mean to wear a collar and wear fish Pins on your lapels and, you know, kind of say hallelujah every third word or something like that. But I mean, people that need to have someone show them what Jesus is like. And we are called to that. So that's why this morning I spoke about the woman in 2 Kings 4 in desperate need. Get the podcast of it. In desperate need. And she had a miracle. But I want to take you to the very next story now. In 2 Kings 4, which exactly talks about what I'm just saying right now. 2 Kings 4, verse 8. And I'm going to read quite a lot of scripture, but that's all right. I realise that's a bit unusual nowadays, but too bad. Uh, I like the Bible. I think the Bible makes more sense than anybody's opinions. I think the Bible is the Word of God. I think it'll enrich you, even just hearing it. Uh, Many times I read it and I can read it and go, I have no idea what that's about. And yet somehow rather go away being blessed out of it anyway. All right. 2 Kings 4 verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable or a great woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So she said to her husband, look now I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let's make a small upper room on the wall And let's put a bed for him there, a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned to the upper room, lay down there and then he said to to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say to her, look, you've been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? So look, if you were here this morning, and I know lots of you aren't, which is why uh, we have a different service in every service. We have a different worship service. We have a different uh, message each time so that there's more, you can get more than one, all right? But this woman this morning and the first one is a woman in desperate need and he says, what can I do for you? Well, now he comes to a woman who's got no obvious need and ask the same question. See, some of us think that the only time we can pray is when we've got a problem. We think the only thing God will listen to is our pleas for help. But this woman, when he says to her, you know, or to his servant, ask her, do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king? I can get his ear. What would you like? Do you need a little bit of a a refresh, a little bit of a, a kind of a relief from taxes or something or other? Do you need someone in your loved ones, your family to get a job? I've got connections, you know, he's saying. He says, or to the commander of the army. She answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I don't need anything from you. So he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered and said, actually, she hasn't got a son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said about this time next year, you will embrace a son. She said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. I've got no doubt this woman has wanted a child, but she's just decided it's never going to happen. Just like some of you here that feel like the dream and the vision that God put in your heart, it's been so long, so much water under the bridge. It's been so difficult. Well, it's just really not ever going to happen now, is it? And out of that, out of that sense of overwhelming human disappointment, come on, out of that. Some of you here that have asked God to send someone to your life and no one's turned up. You've asked God to release your ministry and there's been no release of anything in your life. You've asked God about that business idea, but nothing's ever come of it. Well, you'll understand then how this woman... Felt Felton, that she's not saying, oh, I don't believe. She's just, it's the overflow of her humanity. Saying, you know, really? Like after all this time? But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. The child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers and he said to the father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he'd taken him and brought him to his mother, He, watched this, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. I wish I had time tonight, and I don't, to talk about dead visions. I wish I had time tonight to talk to you about dead dreams, about the things that you've decided will never live. The things you've decided they had their moment, I had the time, but now it's gone. See, I, I personally believe that there's no such thing as too late. I don't believe that you can be too old. I don't believe that your hour of opportunities have all disappeared and have faded away from your life. Come on. Some of you hear that the dream of your heart has been, been all your life. I don't know who you are, but your dream is to be a missionary. Your dream has been to go and tell and show and bless. And that's been your dream, but you know, the thing is so much has happened and now it's just way too awkward and and really you're where the resources And the truth is sometimes those things become more and more impossible as time marches on and the dream becomes dead. Well, this young man, the gift, the promise, the vision, the dream dies. Now watch what she does. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. What do you do with dead dreams? Says an enormous amount about what you believe about your tomorrow. This boy has sat on her knees. You can't get any closer than that. She's nursed the child that she nursed. She's now nursing him to death. She's now sitting with him and watching his breaths get shallower and shallower until finally the last breath comes out of his lungs. And this little boy passes away. But you know, she doesn't keep him there and hug him to herself and hold him. She takes him and she puts him up on the bed of the man of God. And she shuts the door upon him and she went out. She walked away from that which was dead in search of the one who would raise him from the dead. I haven't got time to read all the rest of the story. But she goes after Elisha. She says to a servant, saddle a donkey. I'm getting on it. And she says, you run ahead of me. And I want you to go to the man of God. And if he says to you, uh, what's wrong? You don't say anything. So she starts going and she starts heading towards the man of God. The story ends up brilliantly, of course, as you'd expect. Uh, The boy gets raised from the dead by Elisha, uh, who prays not once, uh, but several times over this thing. Sometimes you've just got to pray more than once. Oh, look, you know, I know we live in the 21st century where everything's instant. Uh, I know we live with the era of microwaves and I find myself, you know, cursing my phone because it's so slow, like, hello, hello. Like, I'm going, I'm waiting for you to load. Like, what's with that? You know, I want everything to be fast. And it, it, it irks me that God does not operate on my calendar and my clock because I want him to go faster, but he just doesn't seem to speed up at all. No matter how much I tell him he needs to, he just seems to go at his own pace. Anyway, let me come to what I want to say tonight because this woman and this story is a great story about enlarging your life. Enlarge is not just a word for people that are desperate or that are broke or that are broken or helpless and hopeless because the story tells us this lady is wealthy and healthy. This lady is loved and loving. And when the man of God says, what can I do for you? She says, I don't need anything. So get rid of your Ideas that somehow or other God only exists to bring out of the cupboard at the moment of desperation. Take out of your mind any thinking that God only exists as a rescuer. He only exists as the one who saves us when we are sinking. Because the reality is that the seed of enlarge gets planted in this woman. And it's not just uh, a, a, a limit of enlarging. Uh, out of problems, relieving need or rescuing from disaster. I want us tonight to hear that the Holy Spirit wants us to believe God, to enlarge our dreams and visions, to enlarge our capacity, to enlarge our confidence. You might want to write this down or, or you know, put it in your notes or whatever. That enlarges the mentality of heaven and it's the posture of believers. Enlarges the way heaven thinks. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Right away, he creates a great and a large space. The Bible talks about a heaven as being filled with more people than you can count. God is not planning for there to be a couple of lonely little people standing around the throne, feebly whispering their praise. But his salvation, which is so great, is being poured out on the earth like never before and countless multitudes, thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. I told you the story. I read it in the book, The Vicar of Baghdad, uh, some uh, a year before last, I think, where this Anglican, uh, he was a neurosurgeon, I think, and he felt called to the ministry and goes off to Anglican seminary and gets his doctrine and all that stuff and goes to Baghdad where he's got a, 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 an armed guard of 15 people around about him or something or other, provided by the government. He never asked for it. They said, we've got to look after you. He said he saw 17, is it sheiks? Is that the way it's said? Sheiks, 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 sheiks. 17 sheiks come to Christ. He said 14 of them got martyred for their faith. And out of that, and all over the globe, there is a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, but I see it happening as well, not just overseas, but I see it happening in this nation. More and more people are, are becoming aware that the politicians hello uh, don 't have the answers they 're becoming aware that our, our our morality as we have based it that we need so there 's a spiritual yearning and a hunger and a desire that is sweeping across the planet. Lots of people don't know how to give names to it. That's why I thank God for every kind of church, not just our kind of church. I don't care whether you're a a Pentecostal, a Baptocostal, a Anglican, a Press Button, whatever you are, Gog, Magog, and Aog, it doesn't matter which one you are or whatever background you are from, but it's the name of Jesus. And seriously, in this year of enlarge, if we will simply but take Jesus to the world around about us, uh, you know, this church doesn't save anybody, but only Christ does. And so this woman has got a, a mentality of enlargement. It's the posture of believers. And I want to give you quickly tonight, and it won't be very long, I want to give you some things about enlarging your life that I think... We need to understand on our journey of enlarge because enlarge is not the theme for January. It's not just the start of the year. I believe it's what God is going to do all year long in this church. You're going to hear about it all year long. And uh, we have been planning and dreaming every conversation as staff and leadership team that we have. We are talking about enlarge. Uh, Like we've had, we started Yes Text going back uh, February, a year ago. And that was simply us wanting to say, how do we help people begin to follow Christ in an authentic way, in a way that is their decision without pressure, but they get to make a commitment. Well, last year, 200 people uh, in this church or through its ministry, they weren't all here, uh, said yes. And so then we started getting requests from people saying, You know, my friend lives overseas. Can they get yes text? Well, apparently you can't. And so our team started working on that. As of today, you can be a part of it wherever you are in the world. So if you're listening to this, wherever you are around the world, you could be in Saudi Arabia, you could be in England, you could be in Scotland, you could be in Switzerland, you could be anywhere, South America. Put up the slide if you would, please. And you'll notice on the bottom, now it's not just O four double eight eight two six three nine two. Now, all you've got to do, and I did this on Friday, and quite frankly, I'm a bit of a Philistine, a bit of a troglodyte, a bit of a Luddite. So I reckon that if I can do this, anybody can. Uh, I went to yes.metrochurch.org.au, and in two clicks, you say yes to following Christ, and the next morning, I've been getting them since Friday, the next morning at 7am, you get the same email the text people get, and yours comes as an email. And it comes with a scripture to help you start walking with Christ. And then it has a prayer that you're able to pray. Because many people, that's their big question. How do I pray? I don't know what to say. I don't know. All I know is the Lord's Prayer. And so you can start doing that. Well, that's enlarge. That's enlarge. Uh, you know, there are two uni accommodation blocks, buildings, uh, cutting for 1,600 university students. They're coming online beginning February. Well, we started planning. How do we draw a bigger circle around the life of this church? Thank God for uh, Hayden Glass. He's away, I think, on leave at the moment. Uh, Luke, who's uh, just got a job as the manager over there. That's pretty cool. Uh, Michael Partha. Stand up, Michael. Do a spin. This is not really... This is the weirdest preach, but anyway. Uh, Michael Partha's taken over from Luke, leading uh, Metro Young Adults. And we're gearing up to how do we draw a bigger circle? And so on February 24, we're having a gigantic, we're filling the entire car park, none of you can park there. Uh, we're filling the entire car park with food vans and we're having a service. You won't fit here, it'll be upstairs. And the building across the way has just made it an official engagement of the entire block. It's called Dinner and Church. That's what they call it. We didn't call it that. Uh, And they're asking 800 uni students to come to church. Now I reckon it's pretty good when uh, other people start inviting people to church. (laughs) Amen. And why do I say all that? I say that because it enlarges the mentality of heaven. Amen. So you've got to understand, we as a team never come to church going, oh, it's just another Sunday. Never, ever, 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 ever. Every single time we come, we're drawing a circle, saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this spot? So let me give you some things quickly about enlarging. If this is not the most, uh, what do you call it? Not eschatological, pneumatical, um, or whatever preach, that's all right. It's going to be good. Here we go. When we enlarge our world, number one, when we enlarge our world, we make room for the miraculous. I want you to understand because in the story I read this morning, she actually asked for help. This woman's not looking for any. She hasn't asked God for a miracle. Elisha never asked her to build the room. She's not looking to supplement her income with a border. All it came out of was somebody saying, I want to make a room. She goes to a husband. I don't know how much it costs, but uh, you know there, there's a house near us where they just built an extension on the house. I'm guessing you wouldn't get much change out of 20 grand, adding a room on or something like that. Was that about right? A bit more than that? This lady has gone to some expense. She's gone to her husband and said, That guy coming past, I want to bless him. I want to make a room. Oh, we're good. We got our family. We got our needs met. She says, But I'm drawing a bigger circle to include other people. And out of generosity and honor, this lady creates space. For the man of God to come. She didn't know and she wasn't doing it to get a miracle in her life. But the result of her enlarging her life was that the miraculous came to her home. Generosity and giving aren't the same. Some people give and they demand a return. But generosity is giving away regardless in life. It's enlarging. It's making more space in your world. I encourage you to be building the life of generosity. Proverbs 22 verse 9, whoever's got a generous eye. It doesn't say whoever's got a big wallet, whoever's got a full bank account. It actually says whoever's got a generous eye. Why? Because generosity's got a lot more to do with how you see things than it has to do with how much is in this. Amen. It's how you see things. And so we're preaching on this. I don't believe that Enlarge is meant by God to be about growing the numbers. It's not meant to be about you getting more stuff. I believe the greatest thing God will do in 2019 is enlarge the way you see things. Enlarge the way you and I perceive life around about us. When we enlarge our world, we make room for the miraculous. Here's the second thing. What we make room for can become the place of our own miracles. This lady, when her child dies, she doesn't take him to his room. She doesn't take him to her husband's room. She doesn't take him into the lounge where visitors come. She takes him up the outside of the house to the room that she built for the man of God. And she puts him on the bed that she bought for the man of God. When she built it, she never imagined she'd have a child. She never imagined the child would grow And be of an age, he must be around 10 at least. Years have gone by and now this woman with her deceased child takes him up onto the place that she built just out of generosity and it ends up becoming the place of blessing in her own life. Ends up becoming a miracle. She prepared it for others, but it blessed her. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered over life that if you are a generous person, others will get blessed through you for sure. But you will equally get thoroughly blessed. God has got a way of blessing you when you bless others. John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited. The way that's phrased makes me think it's like the wedding uh, Yvonne told me about with her daughter, Casey, who was just left to go back to Victoria and... There was a, a family wedding that she wasn't really, I don't know if I'm, can say, too bad I've said it. Uh, uh, there was a family wedding, one of the cousins, she hadn't been invited, I guess they didn't know she was going to be even here. But they said to her, they said, come on down anyway, if somebody doesn't show up, we'll fit you in. And that wasn't a bad thing by them, they're, they're doing what they can. And that's the same kind of thing that I think John 2 verse 2 reads like. I think they'd invited Mary, the mother of Jesus. I think she was the principal guest. I think then they go, oh, and Jesus is back home? I'll bring him. What, he's got all his followers with him? I'll, I'll bring him in. We'll fit him in somehow, Rather, That's what I think happened in this story. I might be wrong. We'll find out when I get to heaven. But I think that's what happened with this story. But here's the funny thing. Because when they make room to add somebody in, you know the way the story goes. They run out of wine. Did they run out of wine because Jesus' disciples were just real heavy drinkers? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But I know this, that the very person they made room for becomes the answer and the provider of the miracle that they need. The very one. What, you know, No other guest went out and said, look, I'll duck down to the bottle shop. You know, I'll I'll ring up the local vineyard and get them to send down a truckload. I worked this out a couple of weeks ago just because this is the way my brain works. I thought, I wonder how much that's worth. And so it tells you how big they all are. By my reckoning, it's something like Jesus gave them a wedding gift of $50,000. That's how much wine he made. All right? I worked it out on a bottle rate. I don't know if there's wholesale rates of wine, but whatever, I don't know. Anyhow, what I know is this that they could have said to Jesus' oh, mother, they could have said, look, Mary, you know, we fitted you. We wanted you here. Jesus, well, he's all over the place. Who knows where he's going to be? We never invited him. And then all those guys, they're fishermen. They eat like horses and drink like fish. You know, they're, they're just going to eat us out of house and home. And, and But the reality is, again, see, Flo says this. Flo says what goes through you will touch you. That's why I've never had a problem asking people to take responsibility to lead. Because I know this, that if you step up and let God use you, you'll never be the worse off for it. You'll never be able to look back. I know some people say, well, you know, but I served and I got burned out. I go, well, maybe you should have been wiser in the way you did it. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, take my yoke. That was a work term that he was using. And I believe for every single one of our lives that God wants to flow through us for sure, but he wants to touch you in the flowing through of that in Jesus' name. Let me tell you, if you serve, whether you be a part of the host team here like people do, whether you, you know, I was thinking this morning about some of our team that, well, some of them seem to me like they're on every single service. Uh, You know, but I guarantee if you ask them, Uh, very well, I can't imagine any of them saying, yeah, well, you know, I wish I wasn't on roster or something. Well, I think most of them probably go, what an amazing space I get to be in when the anointing of the Holy Spirit floats your mind. Here's the last one. Here's the third thing. When we enlarge our world, we make room for the miraculous. When we make room, it can become the place of our own miracle. Here's the third one. We've got a part to play miraculous flow in our life. None of this would have happened. None of this story would have taken place if a lady hadn't said, let's make room. Let's make room. John chapter two, verse seven. Jesus says to these guys, when they run out of wine, he said, you fill the water pots with water. They filled them up to the brim. He said, draw some out. You do this now. You take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. I do not know of a miracle that God will do that happens while you sleep and you've got no part to play. I could tell you time after time where I've seen God do miracles, but it took someone to go. It took someone to pray. It took someone to lay hands. It took someone to prophesy. It took someone to serve. It took someone to say, oh, I'm going to make room for God in my life. In Jesus' name. I believe absolutely with all of my heart that whether it's uh, serving, whatever, however way you can make room in your life, I believe that God will do something extraordinary in your life in Jesus' name. I believe that as we keep making room as a church, God is going to continue to bring blessing and continue to bring people across our path that God is going to touch in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Team can come and we're just going to pray together right where you are. I'd love you just to, because some of you right now, maybe your mind has been full of all the difficulties and all the reasons why it's so hard. You know, how you know, maybe you were here last week and you hear about Enlarge and you go, well, that's great, Jeff, but you don't know the obstacles. I don't have a job right now. You know, I, I don't have permanent residency right now. I don't have a partner right now. Jeff, I don't have this or whatever might be going on in your mind. Let me encourage you tonight. Don't wait for the miracle to take place. Start making room now in your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that your favor is on us in Jesus' name. Father, our response to difficulty our response to opportunity is always going to be the same whichever one it is we're going to make more room we're going to make space for you to do even more lord i thank you for the year that lies in front of us you know how it's all going to work and lord we have no idea we don't even know tomorrow but lord you do you're able to see beyond it you're able to make a difference for our life in Jesus' name. There are people here that have given up on joy in their life, thinking, well, that'll never happen. And yet, Holy Spirit, you know exactly when, you know exactly how, in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're praying for a loved one to come to Christ. I'm just thinking about my aunt. She hated God with a passion. She hated God as much as anybody I've ever seen love God. She hated God intensely. And we used to pray for her. Nothing ever seemed to change. She'd still curse God to my face and get angry at me and go off the deep end or whatever. And then God sent a lady from South Africa, happened to be the mother of a friend of hers, her closest friend. And God sent that woman from South Africa, and she'd said, I want to go to church. Well, my aunt ended up going to church. And she told me later, the next thing I ever heard from her was she rang me up and she said, praise the Lord. And I literally slapped my face. I literally, I went, I slapped my face going, this cannot be my arm. But it was. And God had known how to do it when I had no idea. Come on, some of you here, I know there's people here tonight, you've got loved ones you're praying for and you're going, oh God. And can I say to you lovingly, don't try and tell God how to figure it out. He'll figure it out. All right? And sometimes you go, God, nothing's happening. And you go, hey, Oh, yes, it is. You have no idea. In Jesus'